We're back. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition of the Auburn Undercover podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Hope everybody has had a good week as we record this on Thursday. Talking about transfers is, is the big topic for Auburn as of late. If you've somehow missed it in the past six days, because the last one just happened today on Thursday, and they started last Friday, in the past six days, Auburn has had five players um, enter the transfer portal. Now, it was a little bit surprising to me that it took so long after the end of spring. I mean, spring practice was over on April 19th, and we didn't have our first transfer until last Friday. But obviously, the coaches were going through that whole process with players talking to guys about what their role is at the end of spring practice, where they stand on the depth chart, where they stand um, kind of in the complexion of the team and, and what their role looks like heading into the summer and the fall. So it's not a surprise to see guys enter the transfer portal and decide that where they are with the team is not where they want to be and they want to go somewhere else. Obviously, you're seeing that all across the SEC. But for Auburn, I don't think it's a... Um, the situation, I don't think, is at critical mass yet, but it is slightly concerning just because running through some numbers real quick. I mean, I was I was curious. So they've had five transfers. I was curious, you know, how does that stack up with the rest of the SEC when you're talking about post spring transfers? Like how many, you know, we're not talking dating back to last season and we're not even talking the offseason because if you go back to January, there's a lot more than that across the conference but just after spring you do those like we talked about we do those spring meetings and you let everybody know where they stand and still auburn has the most so auburn obviously had to practice april 19th um texas a&m which ended practice april 24th has had four transfers since then and then arkansas has also had four since april 17th missouri has three since they ended practice kind of early both them and florida ended on march 20th and then everybody else has got two or less and then Georgia, South Carolina, and Ole Miss all have zero. So, you know, interesting to say the least. Now, it's not, it's not that necessarily that big of a deal just because you look at the transfer landscape right now. Not only have transfers been gaining popularity, just the, the, you know, the prospect of being a transfer and kind of the stigma around transfers has definitely decreased, I think. I mean, now you look at transfer players transfers win national championships at other schools obviously those are high profile guys but still i mean transfers go number one in the draft transfers are heisman trophy contenders and heisman trophy winners so i think you couple that with what we've seen over the past few years with really i mean you think about all the big quarterbacks over the past few years and most of them have been transfers just just over the past like three or four seasons the best ones in the sport have been transfers you couple that with the one-time transfer rule which obviously is is set to go into place where guys can transfer the first time in their careers that they transfer. Um, they don't have to sit out and they're able to play immediately at the D going from D one to D one that changes things. And that makes it a lot more attractive to just say, Nope, this situation isn't working out for me. Um, and I'm going to move on to something that I think is better. So it started out last Friday with Jaron handy, um, former top 100 player actually was the number 100 player in the 2019 class, a top 10 player as it, at his position, strong side defensive end. Um, he was playing Auburn's new edge position under coach Burt Watts. He was playing that this spring. 
He was also one of the guys that was not present at A-Day. We talked about that after the spring game. He was one of the guys that was not present, and Brian Harson didn't really give a reason for those absences. Now, I'm not you know connecting any dots or anything like that, just kind of adding some context. You know, He was one of those guys that was not there at A-Day. So he was the first one to enter the portal, and then shortly after him, another former top 100 player, former four-star defensive lineman, Jay Hardy. Now he is kind of that more true defensive tackle. He was a guy that really hasn't had a chance. He didn't really have a chance to, to get rolling at Auburn because last season he pretty much dealt with an injury all last year. We know what COVID did to these players last year in terms of nixing a guy like him, kind of eliminating your offseason and shortening, abbreviating your offseason. You don't really have a true you know, few-month period to go through things with your coaching staff. And then the coaching change, and obviously the staff turned over. Um, Hardy, again, also was not present at A-Day, but he was the second one in the portal. So you couple that with the, I mean, I think the Jaron Handy thing, I mean, they've got a lot of guys on the edge. You're bringing in a guy, um, Iku Leota from Northwestern. He's going to be a defensive end kind of pass rusher guy. And then Dylan Brooks is your highest rated prospect in your signing class out of high school. Um, you're hoping that both of those guys are going to be impact players in terms of those end positions. But at defensive tackle, things are getting a little bit slim just because you not, you know, you had you have two guys that you were excited about what they were going to do this season. Both are out right now because you have Jeremiah Wright, who tore his ACL. He was one of Auburn's breakout players early in the spring, and then he tore his ACL. And then you thought you were going to have Jay Hardy back from his injury. Obviously, he is now in the transfer portal. What does that mean for Auburn on the interior defensive line? We're going to get uh, to that later in the podcast. So be sure to stick around. The third one in the portal was Chael Garnett. Now, Chael Garnett was a really, really big Gus Malzahn take back in the 2020 class, the former three-star quarterback, a top 100 player out of the state of Florida, hadn't seen any playing time last season. And this one was probably the least surprising out of all of them. Um, you know, there are lots of different reasons and we're probably never going to know the exact reasoning, not that you necessarily have to know it because guys can do whatever they want to do. And now it's it's easier for them to make their own decisions and do what they want to do without being held back by the system that you know, would make them sit out a year. But Chael Garnett was was not necessarily super surprising just because from the beginning of spring all the way up until the A-Day game, he was taking snaps way down the roster. Um, you know, this this offensive coaching staff, particularly in the quarterback room, gave these guys a blank slate, uh, especially behind Bo Nix. You know, they knew that was kind of going to be their guy. They went into spring wanting to work on him and make him their project. But behind him, in terms of the race for backup quarterback, they gave everybody a blank slate. And from the start of spring practice, Chael Garnett was sort of splitting snaps with walk ons um, when Grant Loy was injured, had his hamstring injury at the beginning of spring ball. Um, it was a walk-on Trey Lindsay who took over the snaps for him instead of Chael Garnett. And then Garnett split those snaps during the spring game with Sawyer Pate and Thompson, both of her Trey Lindsay, excuse me. Sawyer Pate is from Thompson. That's what I'm thinking of. Sawyer Pate and Trey Lindsay, both of those walk-on quarterbacks were splitting uh, the kind of third team, fourth team offense, whatever you want to call it, way down the depth chart with Chael Garnett. So a scholarship guy like that, that was probably expecting um, to be in line for a bigger role. Now, he wasn't going to have one this season, but I think he could kind of see, you know, that Demetrius Davis, the the freshman quarterback out of Houston, who made some really big strides in the spring and definitely looks like Auburn's quarterback of the future, certainly their backup quarterback. He looks like that right now. Sort of saw that that was going to be 
the situation and and definitely makes a lot of sense for him now. Obviously, again, he was a Gus Malzahn guy. Gus Malzahn was excited for what he was going to be for the future of this offense. And one of his other big offers coming out of high school, a player in Florida was UCF. And so now maybe you can pair both those things together. That's probably something to monitor to see if he gets back with Gus Malzahn and with that school that was really highly after him out of high school in UCF. And then kind of the one that, I mean, again, really out of these five, there hasn't been one that has kind of knocked you off your feet and you say, wow, that is a big loss for Auburn. That's an impact player, but probably the guy who was set to have the biggest impact. And the one that probably surprised me the most was Chris Thompson Jr. He's uh, set to be a sophomore safety, a former top 20 safety in the class, former four-star, former top 200 player out of Texas. Auburn got him in the 2020 class. It was a really, really big get for them. Everybody thought he was heading to Texas to play with the Longhorns and Auburn was able to snag him. That was a really big pickup for that class. Um, But now he is on his way out. Auburn is recruiting a transfer safety. Now they've been recruiting transfer safeties. They recruited Tyke Smith, the West Virginia transfer. He ended up going to Georgia and now they're recruiting another one, Donovan Kaufman, who we're going to talk about a little bit later in this podcast. So not necessarily super surprising in that regard either. Now, again, this is just, you know, again, trying to connect the dots and give these things a little bit of context and trying to have some common sense here, but none of this stuff has to correlate. I mean, if a guy just wants to leave, he can leave. I mean, it doesn't have to do with anybody coming in, anybody going out, you know, the players starting ahead of him doesn't have to do with any of that, but obviously you just try to find the correlation. So Auburn is about to be not thin, at safety, they were very thin this spring to the point where Trey Elston, the walk-on former Auburn high school player, was the defensive MVP because he got so many snaps at safety. He was the number four safety, so he played alongside Chris Thompson with the backup defense. They were pretty thin to the point where, you know, Ladarius Tennyson was moving back there. But especially if they, number one, they land Donovan Kaufman. Number two, Zion Puckett, who is a nickel, but the staff likes him a lot as a possibility to play safety. He's going to be healthy in fall camp. And then you get two safeties in Jawan Gaston and Caden Bridges, both three stars in this 2021 class who are going to arrive in the summer. So that's possibly four additions. I mean, you're losing this one guy, but I wouldn't be super concerned about Auburn's depth at that position. But still, a lot of people were excited about Chris Thompson. He had a pretty good freshman season when he was he was able to get in during his six games. He was able to play. He was a guy who's a hard hitter. I think wherever he goes out of this group, just because I was I was kind of high on his potential as a player at Auburn. Out of this group, in my opinion, he, he's probably going to pop the most wherever he goes. If he's able to develop, I think he can be a really good defensive player. And then as we record this on Thursday, the most recent one was this morning, Kamal Haddon. Now, he's a guy who only arrived at Auburn um, in January. Former Central Michigan signee who went the JUCO route and then now worked his way back got an Auburn offer. He was the number five Juco cornerback in the 2021 class, came to campus in January, was you know behind a little bit, obviously, in terms of Auburn being stacked at the cornerback position. Roger McCreary, Jalen Simpson, Nehemiah Pritchett, just to name a few. Uh, some other you know talented players are going to be coming in, like Dreshawn Miller, the West Virginia transfer. I think I don't think much changed in terms of on-field stuff. Um, so Haddon, you know, just not a not his not his correct fit. And he decided um, today to enter the transfer portal. He did say earlier, um, I'm just only sharing this because he tweeted it. He said, um, you know, I was not asked to leave Auburn or dismissed or anything. He tweeted this. Um, it's rumors spreading that are false. It's just in my be- best interest that I move on. It's love. So that kind of goes to show that 
you know, these guys don't necessarily have to have this um, super, you know, delicate reason why they want to exit the program and go somewhere else. I mean, it's easier than ever for them to do so. So we're going to get into that a little bit more, kind of what this transfer landscape looks like right now for Auburn, the players that they already have um, coming in, the players that they are looking at right now, what else they could be targeting in terms of position, you know, whenever these guys enter the portal, let's say, you know, a quarterback enters or a running back or a wide receiver, you know, that kind of thing is going to change up your, your transfer board. So we're going to bring in Keith Niebuhr to talk about that Auburn undercovers recruiting expert later in the podcast. But first we're going to go talk with Jason Caldwell about his perspective of what has sort of transpired in the transfer portal for Auburn. As of late, I thought he kind of has a, I thought he had a very reasonable take on this. I, I really like the way he kind of looks at this whole situation. And he does a good job of explaining why this is not an issue for the sport, but it is going to create um, a little bit of problems here and there for not only Auburn, but but everybody in college football. It's just going to have to be an adjustment period. So we're going to get to that conversation conversation with Jason right now. He's covering the Auburn baseball game. Let me see. What is the score of the game right now? Well, it's in the eighth inning and LSU is up seven to three. So Auburn might need to come back. Um, to win game one in that series, but he was in the press box. So ignore some of the noise in the background. There's cheering, there's music. Um, just take it and uh, pretend like you're at the game. Just have a, have, have, have a good time with it and put a positive spin on it. So we're going to get to that conversation with Jason right now. And now we bring in Jason Caldwell, who's going to have a little bit of a ambiotic background noise going on. Jason, you're at the game one of Auburn LSU, right? They, they just kicked off the series. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, here in the fourth inning or so, uh, playing some parks. So, yeah, there'll be a little background noise from time to time. Hopefully, it's not too bad. So, Okay, well, you're about an hour in. I was going to, from the limited times I've covered college baseball, I was going to guess you were in the second inning. So, I mean, fourth inning, that's – you guys are flying along in this one. Yeah, um, you know, normally, I guess, normally Friday night, but this is being the Thursday night, you normally get a little bit quicker games early in the series, and then as you get a little deeper, it takes, it takes a little longer to play them after yeah, that. So. For sure. I know they can keep you guys there a while. Hopefully, it's fast tonight. Well, Jason – you had a really good column earlier this week on the transfer portal. Um, obviously, Auburn's transfer situation right now. It's not dire. Um, but just before we get into your column, um, I guess just kind of what were your thoughts this week as those guys, obviously the two defensive linemen, Handy and Hardy, and then Chris Thompson and Kamal Haddon, the two defensive backs, and then Chael Garnett. To me, really, none of those were huge surprises. And, and Auburn's really yet to have like an impact guy enter the portal, but I guess which one of those was the most surprising to you? And then what were kind of just your overall thoughts as you saw these guys enter the portal? Yeah. You know, I, I think when you, when you break it down, probably the most surprising was a guy like Chris Thompson, but when you break it down a little bit, you know, and I started thinking about going the last year for these guys, you know, you've had COVID uh, which basically kept them quarantined for almost a full year. So all these, but, but handy are, are second year guys. So you go, Come in your first year is not what you expected to be. Come out of the spring where you're not going to be a starter, um, more than likely. And then you have a new coaching staff. So it, it's, it was a, a combination of lots of things there that which make and all of them for me where I could see them, you know, happening. And then you look and, and you know, most of those kids are, are from a little ways away from all. Um, so you get a little homesick mixed in with all of those things. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's what what you run into. I think what you run into with a new staff and uh, and in this day and age of the transfer portal, I think it makes it even more likely. 
Now, I really liked your column, and you can go read it as if you're a subscriber on Auburn Undercover Inside the Auburn Tigers. Um, you know, a lot of people want to say the transfer portal, the, you know, the sky is falling, it's the end of college football, you know, it's it, it's going to change the game forever for the worse. Um, but I, I kind of liked your stance that, you know, in the middle, you're not saying that, you know, there's nothing, that, you know, it's not going to change anything, but you are saying that there are some consequences. I guess just talk a little bit about that. And then, you know, some of the examples you were talking about on our meeting, you were talking about, you know, the, the, the Bryce Brown thing about, you know, how guys are just going to wait on players like that now, just kind of get, kind of run me through your thoughts on that, because I thought it was a really interesting piece by you. Yeah. I think when you look at it, it there's lots of things for me that, that I have questions about how this thing's going to work uh, in the short term. You look at basketball and basketball is, it's different because basketball doesn't have a signing limit, meaning in football, you sign 25 guys and you need players a year, and, and you're limited to that as long as you stay under the 85 total scholarship number. In basketball, you have 13 total scholarships. If you lose 13 players, you can go sign 13 again. Um, if and that you know that, that matter, you know even if you lost nine after your signing class, you could still go get nine more. Um, football, it doesn't work that way. But even in basketball, you look and because of the way it's working now in basketball. You look at you mentioned like you're talking about Bryce Brown, for example. If if you're a basketball and even football right now, um, do you sign a guy that you feel like is a developmental player, um, knowing that he's probably not going to play a whole lot as a freshman and maybe will have to work his way in as a sophomore? Because more than likely, right now, those guys are going to transfer before you get you get that guy to the end of his his you know where he's playing well and doing those things. And uh, on the flip side, if you know. I think because of it, you look at some smaller schools, I think those schools are going to get some really talented players It maybe only be for a year or two uh, that they turn into feeder schools a little bit. But I think it's uh, that's part of my concern is that, you know, some of those players get lost. And then the other part of it is you look at college teams, you look at football especially because you can't – you only have 25. And these, these transfers count against that. If you're Auburn, you, you have three spots right now as we talk to bring players in under that 25 limit from last year where you've already lost five or six since the end of last year. So you, you look and go, I mean, you're, you're going to be under the 85 no matter what. Uh, if you were to lose six or seven more, let's say, between now and, um, you know, June, then you start talking about getting down to 77, 76. And if you lose them at a key position, like – you look and most of these guys have been in two spots, either secondary or defensive line. The defensive line's got some depth. Secondary does two, but you start talking about playing five players in the secondary. You know, there's five positions almost always on the field in the secondary for all the defense. That starts to get a little dicey if you have an injury or two. When you start talking about cover guys and you're losing a couple of those guys, it could have an impact. And so um, I think that's that's part of it. And then the other part is, if you're a college right now, if you're Auburn, if you're Florida, Tennessee, whoever, I think right now the way this thing's working, I, I think you got to go way under 25 in a signing class. I think you have to go 16, 17 to give yourself some wiggle room on the end of this for transfers. Um, guys going out, guys going in. Because of that, I think there's going to be fewer players signed by the big schools. And it's going to force these some of these other guys to go to maybe smaller schools that they don't want to or they didn't foresee themselves doing. And so I think because of that, um, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's it's you know a lot of consequences and a very slippery slope right now for the NCA on seeing how this works. 
Yeah. And you talked about it in your piece that, you know, the timing of the one-time transfer rule now happening and the transfer mania guys, you know, seeing successful transfers and you know, there's this signing cap in each class. So it's like, you can have this many guys leave, but you can't really replenish it properly. Jason, we'll, we'll, we'll just hit you with one more, let you get back to the game. Um, I mean, how many, this, this really isn't, if you look across college football, the sec, the number that Auburn has had after the spring, it, it surprised me that it took two weeks for a guy to enter the portal, first of all. Um, but you know, the number they have right now, Auburn fans are concerned because it's kind of a flurry, but that number is not really that big. And it's not really that different than what a lot of other programs are dealing with. What are, what are some positions that Auburn can't afford to have guys impact players leave? And I guess what, what's the number for you where, if Auburn gets to X amount of outgoing transfers this offseason, where you you might start to get a little bit concerned about the outlook for this team in the fall. Yeah, I think it. I think you can withstand them as long as they're not at, at one certain position. I think if you're Auburn, you look and go, well, you couldn't have another quarterback, um, right. for example. I think that would be an issue. I think a, a running yep. back would be an issue. I, I think so. Those couple of positions. Then you look at it for me. You know, another defensive back at either spot, another corner or another safety for me, and it starts to become an issue. Maybe not as much for 2021, but you know, you start looking at 2022, knowing that okay, you're going to have to go find you know three or four guys that are ready to play right away. Um, that's hard to do, uh, and so then you start talking about saving spots for transfers, and so then it becomes this vicious cycle. And I think uh, I think a lot of teams are going to find themselves in. Appreciate Jason. Appreciate you coming on. Look at him doing double duty. We'll let you get back to the game here in just a second. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and be right back on this episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. So we just talked with Jason a little bit about, you know, what Auburn is losing and how that's kind of putting them in a precarious situation. But obviously they're going to replenish. They've already got two transfers who are going to come in this summer. And obviously they're chasing a few more. Um, So we've got our recruiting expert in here, Keith Niebuhr. And Keith, we've been tracking Donovan Kaufman. You've done a really good job, obviously, of covering Auburn's transfer recruitment of these players, the safety out of Vanderbilt. But we're going to start with the new guy who you had a story on a couple days ago. Tell us about a defensive tackle from not too far away that Auburn has their eye on right now, um, what we should know about him and what his recruitment looks like right now, what kind of player he is. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I was doing a radio show um, uh, the day before we were recording this, and they asked about, you know, some of the guys that had left. And I thought, you know, Jay Hardy, the defensive tackle leaving, you know, maybe he wasn't going to play a ton. Maybe he wasn't in the two deep and, all that, but you know, and I thought, but you combine that with the injury to Jeremiah Wright at tackle, and then you say, okay, you got to go through this rough and tumble SEC. It's so hard to stay healthy, and especially at defensive tackle. I mean, that's the point of attack, man. That's that's where everything's happening down there, and guys get banged up a lot. So I thought, you know, with with the injury to Wright and the loss of Jay Hardy, that Auburn really at that point, you know, God, maybe they will look at a defensive tackle. And sure enough, earlier in the week, Tony Fair. Uh, from UAB, defensive tackle, big kid, more of a zero technique, and, and maybe that gives you a hint as to what um, what they plan to do. I mean, this is a big kid, like, gosh, 6'1", 330, something like that. Six, oh, excuse me, 6'1", 
six feet three, 335 pounds. He's massive in the middle. Uh, but he entered the portal earlier this week. And, you know, again, <clears throat> defensive tackle, premium position. When, when the best of these best players at these premium positions, and Nathan, I got to apologize to everybody. I've got this spring cold or allergies or whatever. But when the best players at the premium positions enter the portals, it's like, you know, I mean, flies going to, <laughs> you know what, in the middle of a cow pasture. I mean, it's, I mean, it's all, it's a feed frenzy. Okay. I mean, it is, it is buzzards to the carcass. What I'm, I, I don't know. I'm trying to find the right figure, the right analogy here, or getting my words mixed up, but man, I mean, these guys become hot items. And so everybody's after this guy already. I mean, I know Ole Miss, Michigan, Iowa, uh, several others, in fact, too. And then Auburn offered on Thursday and, and I know I'm going on and on here, but I wanted to lay the groundwork. Um, yeah, a big kid that can be a disruptive force in the middle. He'll have one year. I think he'll have one year left. If my memory's correct, he just graduated from UAB uh, last weekend. And he, you know, that's going to be his money year. Like that's the year where you got to go out and impress people from the NFL. And already he's caught the attention of people from the senior bowl. And I think they know talent. That's what they do. They recruit players to their, to their game. So um, <clears throat> they were tweeting about him. Uh, Jim Nagy, I think the head of the game, was tweeting about this young man, Tony Fair, last year. And he went to junior college, Pima Community College in Arizona. And to Auburn fans, you'll remember, I actually went out there a couple of years ago, Nathan. Auburn was recruiting an offensive lineman from Pima, a kid named Jordan Agasiva, who ended up picking another school. But uh, so this guy's, you know, he's got one year to really show off. And you're thinking if you're Auburn, you're going to get his best year. You're going to get the best out of this guy. And if he's in the two deep, that means he's going to play a lot in the SEC. So who's the competition? Yeah, it's really too hard, too early to tell. He's from South Bend, Indiana originally. So, you know, he might be a guy that wants to look hard at a Michigan or an Iowa, but he likes, he liked living in Alabama. He was at UAB for two years, has a lot of respect for Auburn. And uh, so I I think they're going to have a shot, but, you know, I talked to him a a day earlier than what we're doing. We're doing this right now. So it was all just hitting him. All these offers were hitting him. So it's something we're going to monitor, but Nathan, we're not going to have to monitor him for long. He's going to have a decision within a week. So I'm going to check in with him again over the weekend, see where things stand. Hopefully I can get a hold of him. I'm sure his phone is just ringing off the hook. Um, but Auburn's got a shot. I mean, again, he's got great respect for Auburn. He said something really interesting, Nathan. He said, he said, I like among the things he likes about Auburn. He said, I like that they compete against Alabama. I like that they compete against Alabama. This is a kid that you know, wants to go up against the best, and there is no better than the than the, the Crimson Tide right now. So you got you like to hear kids say that, you know. Um, maybe I'll go to the underdog and, and show my value against the top dogs. Um, so anyway, somebody to watch, Tony Fair, and we'll have more on him hopefully in the coming days. But you know, it's a lot harder to track these transfers. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, they've got all this stuff happening in a week or two, and their phone is just blowing up, and sometimes you're lucky to get them once you don't get them at all. Other times, sometimes you get them a couple times and that's it. So I'm hoping I can reach him over the weekend, but again, uh, five or six, seven days, we're, we're probably going to have a decision from him. He wants to get to his next stop and, uh, or, or focus on, on that next school. And, you know, the spring semester's ended, we're getting ready for summer. And so he wants to make a, a quick move here. So we'll see. I think Auburn's got a chance though, based on the energy and enthusiasm he expressed in our phone call, which is gotcha. something you can't really, something you can't really illustrate when you write a story, you know, right. that, so. Gotcha. Well, we'll definitely, yeah, we'll keep an eye on him over the next few days. That's exciting. That'll come fast and furious and Keith, the other guy who's been, obviously you've been tracking him longer um, is Donovan Kaufman, the safety out of Vanderbilt. 
one of, if not their best defensive player from the past couple seasons. Obviously, you have that relationship with he has that relationship with Derek Mason, and that's something that's really helping Auburn here. It's coming down to two schools. You're recording to your reporting earlier in the week. Um, what are you hearing about where Kaufman is and Auburn's chances? Because you know Chris Thompson, it might be. I don't think it's super coincidental that Chris Thompson, the Auburn safety, entered the transfer portal. They're looking for another one, you know, a guy to replace his spot essentially. So, uh, you know, it's a guy that it's a position. Obviously, they're looking at really hard. What's the latest on on Kaufman and what kind yeah. of players see? Yeah, now Auburn may get this guy. They, they may yeah. get him, but but I don't know that that's why we don't we're not seeing Chris Thompson at Auburn anymore. I, I, okay. you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not saying yes. I'm not saying no. Right. Um, but I, I would only caution to Auburn fans. Anybody else listening? I wouldn't I wouldn't say this. They're definitely getting this guy because that guy left. I, I don't know. Maybe. But I don't know. And I'm not sure anybody does right now. But, you know, I, I, I happen to have some connections uh, at Texas. And uh, when I talked to them a couple of days ago, they didn't think that the Longhorns were out of this. So, you know, I know people are projecting him to Auburn and I, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. In fact, Robbie Weinstein of 24 seven sports who covers Auburn and is in, t- in tight, pretty good with that program up there. He's put in a crystal ball projection for Donovan Kaufman to Auburn. We expect a decision by mid may. He said, well, it, you know, as we record this, it's what the sixth Nathan, so that's another week, week and a half. We, we think we're going to have a decision from Donovan Kaufman. He's back home. And I should point out uh, the fair kid, the defensive tackle, he's back home too. Uh, Donovan Kaufman's back home. He's from New Orleans. Uh, so, you know, obviously Auburn's not terribly far from New Orleans, but neither is Austin, Texas. Likes both of these programs. He wants to major in advertising. He feels like they can both kind of do the same thing for him. Um, you know, but, you know, that relationship with uh, – with who his position coach and coordinator would be at Auburn, Derek Mason could be the difference. We'll see. Uh, I, you know, I think he probably already knows where he's going, but he's waiting to announce it. And, you know, it's again, if you're reading the tea leaves, it feels like Auburn could be tough to beat. I mean, the relationship with Mason, he knows the defense. He could obviously step right in and start and Auburn can move Ladarius Tennyson back to the nickel position. I mean, it's all right there. But Texas is Texas. Uh, they've got a lot to sell too. Uh, and we should point out this guy's a guy that has four years remaining, I think, of, of, of eligibility. Although he hopes he's a guy that just plays a little bit and then goes off to the NFL. I mean, he could be one of those guys. Now, size wise, he's only like five nine, so he's he's not huge. Um, I want to yeah five nine, one hundred ninety five pounds. So he, you know, he doesn't have that. He's not that big body safety. But as people on our message board have pointed out, there's a lot more five nine and five ten safeties in the NFL. Than you think. And gosh, I've covered a few of them. Mike Dawson, Ohio State uh, was a guy 5'9, 5'10. Matt Elam at Florida, 5'9, 5'10. So there are guys that can do it. There's no question about that. Uh, so we'll see. But again, I, I'm kind of beating around the bush here because I'm, I'm too hesitant to make a prediction. I just don't have enough information to make a solid prediction. Um, you know, I wonder what Texas is hearing from him to think they still have a chance. Uh, you know, um, Auburn's had some success against Texas in recent years. Landon King, the tight end, was one. He's in the at Auburn right now as a freshman. Chris Thompson, who just left uh, or entered the transfer portal, that was a guy that Auburn beat out Texas. But I don't know about this. I mean, all the signs, Nathan, would lead you to point to Auburn, and and that's what I'm thinking too. But for whatever reason, I'm just getting this feeling that maybe it is tight. You know, so we'll we'll see. I mean, you don't always know. And again, with transfers, he's done two interviews. He's been great. 
but he's not just coming out and telling me where he's going either. So we're dropping too many hits. Um, so we'll see, but that, again, that'd be a significant pickup. You, I think they got like three spots. We think, I mean, that's what we keep being told now. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you gotta be selective here. They obviously also want an offensive tackle. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but gosh, Auburn's got a lot of needs. They've lost a lot of guys just since the end of last season. I mean, Mark Anthony Richards, you're thinking, okay, well, he was just going to be a backup to the backup at running back. But now you may have four scholarship guys in the fall. Tank Bigsby's been, you know, was banged up a little bit last year. Sean Shivers has been banged up a lot. And so, you know, you put that together, you say, well, maybe you need another running back. Uh, do you have a, a, a veteran receiver? Maybe you need a veteran receiver to come in. So there are significant needs. Um, and I can't tell you for certain where, if they land these two guys, where the other spots would be. Maybe it's just best available, but it seems like, it seems like offensive tackle is, is a place that Auburn is really going to look to beef up at. Now you could argue, well, it's the same offensive line as last year and it's not pretty uh, always, but uh, you know, they weren't God awful either. So maybe you just stick with that, but it seems to me like that's where you would go, but that, that's where things stand right now. I wish I had some more, some more definitive stuff. And, you know, by the time this runs, maybe some more news will break, but we think probably next week or the week after for both these transfers we just talked about. Gotcha. Yeah. So we won't have to wait very long. Yeah. That was my next question was, you know, yeah. like you said, all these, all this time, it's been the three spots, three spots. And yeah. So clearly it's like, okay, you're getting a, a safety and you want a defensive tackle for all those reasons you brought up about the interior D line being thin. Um, yeah. There's a lot of needs. And you know, like, you could re- you could really argue. You could really argue. Uh, did I cut you off, Nathan? I'm sorry. You, you could really no, argue. You're good. You look at every position. You say a quarterback, boy, it'd be nice to have another veteran backup uh, running back. Like I just said, receiver, maybe a veteran because it's such an unproven group. Offensive tackle. Yes. <laughs> Offensive guard. Maybe if you could get a really good one, defensive tackle. Yes. If there's an elite pass rusher out there, maybe linebacker, you're probably pretty set there for this year. Um, and then in the secondary safety, yes. Cornerback, you know, you know, I read somebody tweeted out, um, earlier in the day that the, that the Auburn was still okay at corner, even, even though Kamal had left, but man, I mean, there ain't that many guys. And some of those guys are going to have to play nickel too. And how many corners are you playing at once? And gosh, you get a couple injuries and all of a sudden you get really thin back there. Jay Jalen Simpson, very good player, but was hurt some last year. Roger McCurry, very good player. I think he's been nicked up at times. Uh, You know, Dreshawn Miller, I want to say he was nicked up at one point at West Virginia. I, I hope I'm not just pulling that out of nowhere. Uh, so, you know, I mean, honestly, you could probably say every position you've got to need. But here's the thing, Nathan, every team can say that. Every right. team in the country could say, you know what? If you can improve here, then go get somebody. The question is, as at Auburn, where are you prioritizing? You know, what, what are the biggest needs? Defensive tackle, premium spot. If you can get a guy that you think can play and really help you in one year, you got to get him. You absolutely got to get him. Premium spot. It's a, it's a, 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 you know, league that's a lot of games are won and lost in the trenches. So safety got to have somebody on the back end and then offensive tackle. So I think that's where they go. I think that's where they go at this point in time. Yeah, it'll be, I mean, like Jason was talking about just a minute ago, like, I mean, what if you lose one of these backup quarterbacks or you lose a backup running back? (laughs) I mean, it's like that changes your whole board. And what if you've already taken the offensive tackle? by then so the whole landscape of things is just crazy well well then you start looking for yeah well then you start looking for nathan looking ahead to next year and you say look at the secondary mccreary gone jalen simpson has a good year maybe he's gone Deshaun miller good year maybe he's gone 
Smoke Monday gone. Wow. That's a lot of dudes, man. That's a lot of dudes that you got to replace. So I think, I think what's going to have to happen in in next cycle is that Auburn's going to have to hit the portal again to bring in some veteran guys. Now you could sell this to young guys. Oh, you're going to come in and play right away. But I mean, how many true freshmen do you want to be starting in the SEC? So I think it's going to be fascinating to watch these next several months. How does Auburn address the need in the secondary, for instance? What do you do? You know, do you do you say let's let's go get some young guys, but then save a couple spots for the portal? They may have to hit the portal hard for for a, a cycle or two just to kind of get everything back to normal, get everything level again. Playing with all these guys leaving, they're playing a little catch up. Yeah, just like I mean, just like everything else, Brian Harson has had to do since he came in. He's got his work cut out for him. Yeah, I mean, got, look, some of some of the guys are left. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Some of the guys, it's you could argue addition by subtraction. Some of the guys maybe weren't going to cut it with the uh, the culture that they're trying to do. I mean, you have a litany of reasons. And then some guys just say, you know, I, I feel like I got a better opportunity somewhere else. I want to get closer to home. I mean, it's not like they ran. I'm guessing not every single kid has been run off. I mean, I know the fans want right. to think that. <laughs> it's very easy to fall into that trap and say, this is what it is. But you know, sometimes, sometimes some of these losses hurt. You know, sometimes every school, sometimes that you don't want a kid to leave. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're, they're working hard to fill the need, you know, fill these gaps and, and, and fill their needs. And, you know, the thing is, staffs can't sit around and cry. They're, they just get back to work and say, all right, here's what I need. Let's go get it. And that's what they do. They got the they're consummate pros. That's the business like approach that they're going to have with the staff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we're going to get some more answers here in the next week, it seems like. So, yeah, Keith, appreciate you coming on and talking about. Um, Auburn and the transfer portal, obviously the hottest topic with the football program right now. We're going to get to another quick break and we'll be right back on this episode of the Auburn Undercover podcast. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Auburn Undercover podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. If you did, please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you do. Listen to podcasts, share the show, tell your friends. If you did not like this episode, definitely let me know. Um, you, my DMs are open on Twitter. You can talk to me on the 24-7 message board, whatever you want, whatever suggestions you might have. Definitely, definitely let me know. The intro and outro music for our show is provided by Mr. Beats by Mordecai. That's Beats by Mordecai. Thanks so much to him for providing that a while ago. I think it really did some cool things and I uh, hope you guys like it a lot. Uh, you can find him on see, SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram. He's everywhere. Appreciate him. And until the next time, I will see you guys later. Everybody have a good weekend.